Welcome to New Life Assembly of God Media Ministry. We are glad that you are here. We believe the Word of God is relevant and life-changing, and we hope you can be blessed by this message. We're continuing our Christmas series, Good News in Troubled Times, because if ever we needed good news, it's now, amen? And that's what the story of Christmas is all about. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. And of course, this morning's message is titled, Experience Joy, Experience Joy. I read the true story of a beautiful children's play that was taking place in a church where the kids were acting out the biblical Christmas story. And someone who staged the presentation had the good intentions when they chose a rocking cradle to keep baby Jesus comfortable. There was only one problem. The child in charge of rocking the table, the, ca the cradle, excuse me, couldn't seem to adjust how fast to rock the cradle. And as they got more and more excited while performing a fast-paced joyous Christmas carol, they began rocking the cradle faster and faster and faster. And the unforgettable moment in the play was when the plastic baby Jesus went flying off the stage and into the congregation. As the, as the children sang, joy to the world, the Lord has come. And he indeed came right into somebody's lap. Amen. <laughs> And I wonder what happened to the person that was hit by that plastic baby Jesus. <laughs> but despite the best efforts of the children and those directing the play, how many of you know things don't always go as we had hoped, even with the best intentions? Amen? And that's true not only of this play, but it's true of life in general. Unexpected things happen no matter how much we plan, no matter how much we prepare, no matter what good intentions we have. Unexpected things happen that shock us, surprise us, disappoint us, break our hearts, and hurt us. Amen? But the message of Christmas is that we can experience joy even in the midst of the uncertainty and pain of life. Luke chapter 2 verse 10 tells us that at the first Christmas, an angel appeared to the shepherds in the field and declared, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. And one of the things Jesus does is he brings joy into our life. But the reality is that as we look at the biblical Christmas story, we find that the first Christmas took place in the midst of pain and disappointment in the lives of Israel and specifically in the lives of Mary and Elizabeth. But the story also shows us that the joy Jesus brings can be experienced even in the midst of some of life's most challenging and worst circumstances. Luke begins the telling of the Christmas story by giving us the backstory leading up to the birth of Jesus in the manger. Read with me, if you will, Luke chapter 1. We're reading verses 5 through 7. We'll read some other passages as we go along. When Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife, Elizabeth, was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commands and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. 
You know, as I said, these were dark times for the Jewish people in general who were under the harsh rule of their Roman oppressors who had invaded Israel and brought the people under uh, their dominion. And in the midst of those difficult circumstances, we meet a couple named Zechariah and Elizabeth, a ministry couple. Uh, uh, Zechariah served as a priest in the temple. And this elderly couple were childless. But suddenly, everything miraculously changed for them. An angel appeared to Zechariah as he was serving in the temple and announces that his wife is going to conceive and have a son who would be a prophet to prepare the way for the coming of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Zechariah is shocked. He can't believe it. I mean, they had probably tried for years to have a baby. They had most likely, being a ministry couple, a priestly couple, they had most likely prayed and sought God and asked him for a baby and nothing. And now they're, they're senior citizens. You know, Elizabeth is long past the time where, where she could naturally uh, have a child. And so this announcement of the angel is shocking to Zechariah. He can't believe it. And when he questions it, the angel said, here is a sign that this will come to pass. You will not be able to speak a word until the child is born. And Zechariah is left mute. The only way he could communicate is likely by writing or, or, or trying to make signs to explain to others what had happened. But you know, something we need to understand is that back in that day, not having children was a matter of great shame because it was thought to be a curse from God. It was thought that the person must have done something bad, and this was their judgment, their curse to not be able to have children. Now, no doubt, this godly couple had long prayed for a child, but with each passing year, their hope likely faded. Have you ever prayed and prayed and prayed for something, and with the time passing, you continued to pray, but you started to feel like, is this ever going to happen? Has anybody ever been there? I'm the only one. Amen. You know, our faith remains strong, but emotionally our hope begins to fade. And we're like, I'm believing you, God, but, you know, is this going to happen? And so this is likely where this couple found themselves. And, and, and they're now elderly, and they never expected that the prayer that they had prayed for so many years would finally be answered now in their old age. Folks, never give up on your prayers because you never know when God is going to step in even when it looks the most impossible. Amen? But there's no doubt that being unable to have children had been a source of lifelong pain, sorrow, and shame for this couple. And, and, and Elizabeth was likely judged, condemned, and looked down upon in that culture for being unable to have a child. And once Elizabeth realizes that she is pregnant, she goes into hiding for five months. Now, why would she do that? Well, some might surmise that it might be because of her age and she didn't know how to explain what had happened. Or maybe she just wanted to make sure that she'd be able to carry the child to, to full term. We don't know her history. It's possible she had had miscarriages. We don't know. But you know, couples that have had difficulty um, getting pregnant, they often wait a few months, right, to make sure that the, the, the pregnancy can, uh, can endure. And so she waits five months before she tells anyone about her pregnancy. 
And it appears that it might have been at that five-month mark that Elizabeth comes to terms with the fact that this is really happening. I'm a senior citizen, but I'm going to have a baby. And in verse 25, it says, how, she says, how kind the Lord is. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. What a blessing. Now, when she's six months pregnant, the angel Gabriel shows up and makes another appearance, this time to her cousin, Mary. And he makes another miraculous announcement. This teenage girl, Mary, was going to be overshadowed by the Holy Spirit, and she was going to conceive a child who would be the son of the Most High God, and he would be the Savior of the world. Now, Elizabeth's disgrace might have been coming to an end, but Mary knew that her disgrace was just beginning. She was pregnant and unmarried, And in that culture, that was a sin that was punishable by death. At the very least, it would bring great shame on her and make her an outcast. And and really, who's going to believe her story? You know, no, I I, I, I didn't have relations with a man. I got overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to have the Son of God. Who's really going to believe that story, you know? And, and of course, as, as I noted, she lived in a day when sexual immorality was, was uh, punished by death and, and she would be ostracized, rejected, and condemned by her community. And, and how could she tell her family? How could she tell her fiancé, Joseph? Well, we know in retrospect, because we have the the privilege of being able to read the whole story, which she didn't have at that time. The story was unfolding. But we know that it took an angelic appearance to her fiancé, Joseph, to convince him of what had happened to Mary so that he would not separate from her or divorce her. And so Mary goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth. And we read of that visit in Luke 1, verses 41 through 45. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. You know, Mary must have felt such relief and joy because the moment she came face to face with Elizabeth, her cousin understood because Elizabeth, too, had experienced a miraculous pregnancy. And you know, sometimes when God is birthing something in our spirit that nobody else will understand, God has to bring somebody into our life that has gone through or experienced something similar, and it gives us encouragement, right? Have you ever had that happen? Amen. And, and the, the scripture tells us the baby within Elizabeth's womb leaped for joy and was filled with the Holy Spirit. Folks, I want to make a caveat here. A baby in the womb is not an inanimate piece of tissue as some would have us to believe. A baby in the womb is a living being that can be filled with the Holy Spirit, that can recognize the presence of Jesus, amen? And that is why it is wrong, it is a sin to abort a baby. 
Now, if you have gone through that, our hearts go out to you, and we want you to know that there is forgiveness in Christ, but we also need to know what the Bible teaches on this subject. Amen? Now, that's an extra sermon, no extra charge. We don't have time to elaborate on it this morning, but it is a good opportunity for us to just see uh, scripturally um, what God considers a living being in the womb. Amen? But back to today's message, the baby leaping in Elizabeth's womb and her words of affirmation concerning Mary's baby must have given Mary the needed encouragement she needed in that moment. And she broke forth in praise to God, which we read in verses 46 through 49. Mary responded, oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. What I want us to see is that in the midst of all the problems and pains that their unexpected circumstances brought into their lives, both Mary and Elizabeth experience great joy at the coming of Jesus. Amen. Regardless of Elizabeth's past hurts and disappointments uh, due to decades of barrenness and unanswered prayer, she experiences joy. And despite both of their uncertain future, both of them are filled with joy. And Mary and Elizabeth's part of the Christmas story help us to experience, see that we can experience joy regardless of our circumstances because of our relationship with Christ. We can have joy no matter what we're going through. Because if we'd be honest, you know, Christmas, you know, we have the bright lights, we have the happy songs, we have all those uh, hallmark images of the perfect life and the perfect relationship and the perfect family. But how many of you know that life is not perfect. And many of us are going through some heavy stuff. Amen? And so we need to understand that the joy that Jesus brings doesn't depend on our circumstances. It depends on his coming and his presence in our life. And the first thing I want us to see, joy doesn't come from our circumstances. It flows from our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Our faith in Christ is the source of our joy. We've all probably heard the difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is from the root word hap, which means luck or chance. It's the same root word from which we get our word happenings. And so happiness depends on our happenings. It depends on our circumstance. And how many of you know that our circumstances change? One minute, you know, we can be riding high and everything good, and the next minute the rug gets uh, pulled out from under us. You know, one minute we drive up on the church parking lot and we're rejoicing because God just blessed us with a new car. Then after service we pull out on Pines Boulevard and the crazy Christmas traffic, and boom, somebody hits us. But you know what? We don't lose our joy. Because our joy didn't come from the car. Our joy doesn't come from our circumstances. Amen. It comes from the presence of Christ in our life. Amen. That's just an illustration. And I don't wish anybody any car accidents in the name of Jesus. Amen. Just, just an illustration. But happiness depends on external things. Joy is internal. 
It's internal. Joy is a peace and contentment that only comes through our faith, a living faith in God. Joy is a result of our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Joy is a deep inner sense of well-being that we are right with God, that God loves us, and our life is in his hands and he will take care of us, amen? That's why we can have joy even in the midst of difficulty, suffering, and pain. Many people are not happy, and the pressure of being merry at Christmas can intensify their feelings of unhappiness. Some people can actually feel more down, more discouraged, more sorrowful at Christmas than at other times of the year. Why? Because everybody else seems to be having the perfect life. Everybody else, and, 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 and we sit there in the corner saying, well, my life is not going like that. And so it can intensify those negative feelings. And some may actually be downright depressed during the holidays. Some may have painful memories from the past that they have not yet been healed of. And that can make Christmas a sorrowful time. Some have been disheartened and disillusioned by the disappointments of life, and that can make Christmas a hard time. Some are unhappy because they've gone through a divorce maybe this last year, or they've lost a loved one, and their present circumstances are not what they had expected or hoped. For many, they are unhappy as they look out at their life and they, they look at an uncertain and dim future. But you know what? All that I just described depends on happenings. It depends on circumstances. But despite Mary and Elizabeth's happenings, they both experienced joy as a result of their faith. And we can find joy through our faith when we have a relationship with God because we walk in the confidence of his love and his goodness towards us, amen? We trust that he has a plan for our lives. We trust that he's working in all things, even the painful things, even the disappointing things, even the difficult things. He is working in all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And just like he had a good plan for Mary and a good plan for Elizabeth that was greater and better than anything that they could have dreamed for their own lives, even though at the moment they may have been going through temporary difficulty. Remember, God has a good plan for your life. Remember, your circumstances at this moment are temporary. But as you trust God, his plan will be accomplished in your life. Amen? And we can rejoice now. No matter what our circumstances are, we can rejoice now. We don't have to wait for the answer. We don't have to wait for the plan to unfold. We can rejoice now because of our faith. We may have experienced life's disappointments. We may have had a bad year. We may have lost our job, lost a loved one. Our finances may be tight. Your future may seem uncertain, but don't camp in the valley of the shadow of death. Do you remember what the psalmist said? Yea, though I walk through. He didn't say, yea, though I stay in. He said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Amen. Some of us, we've set up camp in the valley of the shadow of death and we're there. Oh, woe is me. Life is so bad. No, 
get up, start walking by faith and saying, Jesus, you are with me, so I fear no evil. Hallelujah. And he has promised he will lead you through to green pastures and still waters. He has promised that your cup will overflow and he will set a table for you in the midst of your enemies and he will anoint your head with oil, which is a symbol of strength. Amen. So no matter what you're going through, embrace the joy of knowing that if you are trusting your life to God, he's got you. He is with you. Amen. He is working in your life. He is leading you step by step. And if you are in the dark valley presently, you are not alone. He is with you and there are green pastures and still waters on the other side of that valley. Hallelujah to the name of the Lord. We can experience joy no matter our circumstances in life because we have a deep inner settled sense of well-being because our life is in his hands. Amen. So embrace joy this Christmas. Embrace joy every day as you trust yourself into his loving hands. Second principle I want us to see is difficulties drain us, but the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord strengthens us when we choose to trust him in the midst of our trials. Both Mary and Elizabeth were facing trials. Elizabeth was going to have to raise a baby as a senior. That's a trying experience. That's not easy. I mean, even some of you as grandparents are helping out with your grandkids. And you know that in your 70s or however old you might be, you look wonderful if you're in your 70s. I'm not judging. Amen. But you know, it's hard to run after little ones at that age. Amen. So she was facing a challenge as a senior citizen raising a baby. And Mary was facing a challenge as an unwed mother in that culture. But both experienced joy as they chose to trust God and his promise. And that joy strengthened them for the journey before them. And the joy they experienced was the work of the Holy Spirit in them. It wasn't something they conjured up. I'm not telling you, oh, you know, just slap a smile on your face and pretend that everything is okay. That's not the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord comes from inside. It is the work of the Holy Spirit in us as we surrender ourselves in faith to him. Amen? Amen. Nehemiah 8.10 says, don't be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is is your strength. Turn to your neighbor and say, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen. And this is a message that the people of Israel needed to hear at that moment. They had been in captivity in Babylon for 70 years, and finally they were able to return to Jerusalem, but Jerusalem was destroyed. It was in rubble. It had been basically leveled and burnt, and now they're trying to rebuild the city, but they're facing constant opposition from the enemies surrounding them, and every time they try to, to rebuild their homes, their city, the enemy attacked, attacked. And as they gathered for worship, I mean, after years of this, they're feeling pretty down. And as they gathered for worship and the reading of God's word, they were weeping. They were weeping over how deeply they had fallen into sin and how they had strayed from God. And they were weeping over their circumstances rather than rejoicing in all that God was doing 
to restore them. And Nehemiah says, folks, this is not the time to mourn. It's the time to rejoice and celebrate the goodness of God. Because folks, no matter what we're going through, we can always see the goodness of God. If it were not for his goodness, we would be completely destroyed. So we could find the goodness of God in whatever we're going through. So Nehemiah says, don't be sad. Don't, don't be downcast. Rejoice. If we've had some hard times, we may be going through some difficulties right now. We may not know what tomorrow may hold, but we can rejoice that we serve a good God and it is because of his goodness that he, we have made it this far. And folks, God doesn't do anything halfway. He's not going to abandon you in the middle of it. God is going to take you all the way through. Amen? When we have a woe is me, life is so hard, look what has happened to me. It weakens us. It drains us. It makes us want to give up. Amen. But when we focus on the goodness of God, when we rejoice in him, guess what? We are strengthened. We are strengthened. I read the story of when Masena, one of Napoleon's generals, suddenly appeared with 18,000 men before an Austrian town which had no means of defense. There was no military encampment there. And the town council had nearly decided to surrender when the old pastor of the church reminded them it was a holiday and begged them to hold worship services as usual and to leave the trouble of this invading army in God's hands. So they decided they would go ahead and hold the worship service. And the French invaders heard the church bells ringing joyfully. And they concluded that the Austrian army had come to defend this little city. And the people were rejoicing. That's why they were ringing the bells. And so before the bells could stop ringing, Napoleon's army broke camp and fled. They vanished. This incident has often been duplicated in the lives of individuals. That when we choose to ring the joy bells in the face of pain and sickness and disillusionment and poverty and fear, Guess what happens? God comes and the joy of the Lord fills our heart and we are strengthened and the enemy is dispelled because the enemy wants to keep you depressed. He wants you to cast off faith in God. Amen. There is no enemy so strong as faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That can conquer all. Amen. When we focus on God and rejoice in his goodness, we are strengthened and our enemy is defeated. But folks, we have to choose to rejoice. We have to choose to rejoice. In Nehemiah 8.10, Nehemiah told the people not to weep, but he said, go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods. It's the Christmas season. There's too much food going on right now. <laughs> but he said, go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before our God. Don't be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So you know what? He said, you need to be intentional about having joy. You need to be intentional about rejoicing in the Lord. Go and throw a party. 
a worship celebration party because it was all about worship and, 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 and rejoice in the Lord. Gather together with your friends, gather together with your family, eat some good food and rejoice together in the Lord. And that's what we do around the Christmas season, particularly, right? We do it all year long, but around the Christmas season, especially. But folks, we can sit around in self-pity and we can have a woe is me party for one. And we can just go deeper and deeper in depression. Or we can choose to rejoice and intentionally step out and celebrate the goodness of God. If you're down, the, the natural tendency is to want to isolate. Oh, I don't want to go anywhere. Oh, I don't want to see anybody. That's the natural tendency. And that's the enemy trying to separate you and keep you deeper and deeper in depression. But you know what? You need to be intentional. If somebody invited you for Christmas or if somebody invites you out to lunch or whatever, go. Take that step. You'll be amazed what it's going to do for you. If nobody invites you, throw your own party and invite some people. <laughs> celebrate with friends. Celebrate with family. Celebrate with your church family. We can choose to isolate and sink deeper in despair, or we can gather together and rejoice in the blessings of God. We can choose to focus on ourselves and our problems, or we can choose to reach out and help others. Look what he said. He said, share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. There's nothing that'll make you realize the blessing of God in your life and feel joy more than helping somebody else who doesn't have anything. Amen? So reach out and bless somebody this Christmas season. You'd be amazed how it brings you joy. When we choose to complain, we can either choose to complain or like Mary, we can choose to worship and praise God. And when we choose to do these things, we will experience the joy of the Lord and we will be strengthened. Theologian John Piper tells of an afternoon that he spent with a gentleman named Joseph Son, who is a, a pastor, a Romanian pastor, who suffered under the communists. And Son told about one day when the communists came to his house and confiscated almost all of his books. And the soldiers needed proof for their superiors that they were getting his books from him. So they made him sit at a table and write in each book that they had found in his house while they took pictures of him doing it. At one point in the process, Pastor Son took down a book, the title of which was Joy Unspeakable and Full of Glory. And the subtitle was, Is This Your Experience Now? Now, it's not a joyful thing for a pastor to lose their books. I know. I have four bookcases full in my office here at church and four big bookcases full in my office at home. Because to grow spiritually, you've got to be constantly reading. Amen? Not just as a pastor, but as a believer, I encourage you to make that your habit. But to lose your books, that's a big deal. You know, for a pastor, and it's heartbreaking. But as Pastor Son read the title, he asked himself the question, do I have joy at this moment? And at that moment, he was flooded with great joy by the Holy Spirit. And his anger towards the communists who had come into his house, it, it, it left. And he told his wife, go get some coffee. And he told the soldiers, sit down. And he entertained them in his home. And later that week, he had to preach. And his congregation knew 
that the communists had come to his home, that they stripped him of his books, that they were harassing him daily um, so that he had no time to prepare a sermon. And he spoke that day on Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And he preached such a heartfelt sermon anointed by the Holy Spirit that one man in the church was so overwhelmed with the sheer force of Pastor Son's joy in the midst of suffering that he couldn't hear anything else after Pastor Son had read the text. And this man in the congregation was so broken and his heart was deeply and indelibly changed that day. Folks, we may not have known persecution anywhere near the degree that Pastor Son did. But we all go through difficult and at times heartbreaking circumstances. But even in the midst of that, we can know joy. We can know joy. There is joy and strength in the Lord and in his word that is available to every believer as we walk in faith and choose to rejoice in him, even in the midst of our trials. One of the most beloved Christmas songs is joy to the world, the Lord has come. Folks, Christmas doesn't bring joy. Christ brings joy, amen? Christ brings joy. And repentance and faith is the first step to experience the joy that Christ brings. All of us are sinners, and sin separated us from God. And that's the whole reason that Jesus came. He left heaven, and he came to earth as a baby in a manger. He lived a sinless life. He grew and offered that life on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins. He paid the debt that we could not pay. And as we repent of our sins and place our faith in him, he forgives us. He brings us into right relationship with God so that we can live the life of faith and experience the joy that he brings. Would you bow your heads with me? Maybe you're here today and you would say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Jesus and I need the joy that you spoke about. And I want to repent of my sins, place my faith in him so that I can have a relationship with him. Or maybe you did so years ago, you've drifted away, you know that you need to come back. If that's you and you would say, pray for me, Pastor, I wanna come to Jesus. Would you just slip your hands up? Pray for me, I wanna come. Thank you for that hand. Is there someone else? Pray for me, I wanna come to Jesus. I want my sins to be forgiven. I wanna have a relationship with Jesus, amen. Anyone else, slip your hand right up. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right, I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer. If you just raise that hand, pray this prayer with me. And as you pray the prayer, it's not that my words are special, but it's your heart in faith, and God's going to answer you. Congregation, pray this prayer together with those that are praying it for the first time. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, and I believe that you love me so much that you died for my sins. Today, I repent. I turn away from my sinful life, and I turn to you in faith. I confess that I'm a sinner, and I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I invite you to come live inside of me and help me 
from this day forward to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. I want to congratulate those of you that prayed that prayer for the first time or the first time in a long time. I welcome you to the family of God, and I encourage you right now, if you would, to take your phone out, and if we, oh, they're restarting that up there. Hopefully, we'll be able to get the screen up there. The computer must have froze, but there'll be a number, hopefully, on the screen in a moment. We would ask you to text uh, your email address to that number. Why? Because we want to send you free of charge a little booklet that will help you to understand the prayer that you just prayed and the next steps to take to keep growing in the Lord because the prayer you just prayed is a beginning point, not an ending. It's the beginning of a wonderful lifelong relationship with the Lord. And there are certain steps that we can take to help us to continue to grow in that relationship with God. And the number's up there now, thank God. So if you just prayed that prayer, just text your email address to that number on the screen so that we can email you free of charge this little e-booklet to help you in your spiritual journey. But once again, congratulations, and we welcome you to the family of God. For those of us who are already believers, I want you to know this morning that you can live a life of joy because joy doesn't come from our circumstances. It flows from our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We can experience joy no matter our circumstances in life because when we daily walk in relationship with God, we will have a deep, settled sense of well-being that our life is in the hands of the Lord. So this morning, I want to encourage you to commit to embrace the joy of the Lord this Christmas and every day by choosing to trust ourselves daily into his loving hands and pursue a closer relationship with him. Choose to rejoice every single day in the goodness of God. Celebrate his goodness and be a blessing to others. When we do these things, we will walk in his joy. So this morning, I want to ask you if you would say, you know what, I want to walk in the joy of the Lord, and I want to be a blessing to others. If that's you, would you just stand to your feet? Just stand to your feet right where you are, and we're going to just take a moment and pray. I encourage you to talk to the Lord from your own heart right now and just make a commitment to rejoice in him, to rejoice in his goodness every single day and to be a blessing to others. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the wonderful gift of your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the joy that knowing you brings into our life. Father, we make a commitment today to choose to rejoice in you. We choose not to sit around in self-pity and wallow in, in our circumstances, in our hurt, in our disappointment, but we choose to fix our eyes on you. We choose to see your goodness in our lives and to celebrate what you are doing. And Father, we choose to fellowship with others and we choose to be a blessing to others, Lord God. May your joy overflow in the hearts of your people and be their strength today and every day as we walk in faith. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you were blessed by this message, would you consider giving a gift to help support our ministry? You can text any amount to 954-516-1522. That's 954-516-1522. Thank you. And we hope you will join us again.